0: with April Mahoney Brains, you're back at the spot, the location, the place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and their responses, they're never dull. Today, we have Anisha Kupal, all the way from Australia, but she was originally born in India. She is a beautiful woman. She's smart, she's intelligent, she's got a lot of integrity, and she's working with Corporate individuals with their mindset. We're gonna deep, dig deep into this thing called mindset because I work with someone that's saying that mindset is kind of like, I don't know, fading out. It's more consciousness. So how do the two intersect? How is this going to help make people uh, better, more productive in their lives, their personal lives, their relationships, their business, their prosperity? all then and then some. Let's welcome her to the show. How are you, Anisha?
1: Thank you so much, April. I'm doing very well. Yeah? (laughs) Thank you.
0: Yeah. How's the weather there in Australia?
1: It's actually very sunny and warm this Monday morning, Easter day. Uh, It's nice. It's really good. We've been getting on and off rains and sun, so it's nice to have
0: Oh, good, yeah, because it was really cutting a boogie here in San Diego. It was raining so much, we didn't know what to do with it because we don't get that kind of rain. Tell my brains, how do you show up in the world?
1: Um, So for me, there are two things. One is um, being authentic, and the second thing is being curious. And I learned this a couple of years back, just showing up being curious about people around you, just being curious as to why things are the way they are. It helps you keep an open mind. So that's how I put myself out there, just with a little bit of curiosity
0: to know more. Well, that's beautiful. You come from a country originally. How old were you when you moved from India?
1: Oh, I moved here six years back. So not that long ago. Yeah, maybe I was 32, 33.
0: Now, again, I went to Mumbai one time. Yes, um, and it is it was a culture shock for me because I'm from California and I wasn't used to seeing so many people together. Right, Um, it's a beautiful country. Yes, there is a lot of deep rooted culture. Um, There are a lot of um, oh, how do I say this? not rules, but expectations mm-hmm. for the girls versus the guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were a woman that broke out into technology. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of parents want their children to be doctors or lawyers or going to technology, again, because they want the best for their children. How did mm-hmm. you find your way in that tech space? And how were you able to, to find a niche? to get what you needed to, you know, to, uh, to
1: thrive. Uh, so look, when I was growing up, two of the most popular professions out there that parents would expect their kids to follow through was either engineering, which is a technology space, or you were in medicine and you became a doctor. So those are the two predominant um, professions out there, whether it was a male or a female. So I did get sort of pushed into technology because I very vividly remember having this conversation around what should I do after my class 12? What should my specializations be? And I know I was always wanted to be in biology. Um, I wanted to be a doctor, but that's very expensive to be in med- uh, medical profession and to go through five years of um. You know, medicine and training, then you figure out what you specialize in. That's another five years. So it's a long term plan with a lot of monetary investment. And we weren't at a position back then to do that. So I just happened to get into engineering. And even within engineering, I was like, okay, let me at least do my biomedical genetics engineering, but that was still an up and coming um, field back then and there weren't many job opportunities out there so they're like nah you might not find a job so let's just stick to the age-old you know proven successful field of electronics computer science and that's how I got into IT to begin with.
0: Well you still have to be very smart because IT requires a lot of mathematics
1: and science yes
0: and science (laughs) let me ask you a question this is you know just so we know a lot of jobs are outsourced from the United States to countries like Africa, India, and China. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend, matter of fact, just outsourced her entire company mm-hmm. you know, and it is really um number one, you look at the wages
1: yeah
0: wages that you know that are acceptable in these other countries versus what we pay here in the United States. Absolutely. You know, she was, I mean, she was great. She gave them extra. She gave them more because she knows how far that money will go. Yeah. But people fail to realize, too, that there is a lot of people jockeying for these positions. Yes. There's a lot of competition. There are a lot of families that cannot afford to to send their children to school. So they come here to the United States, they get you know great education, they go back, they start businesses, and they are able to use the same technology, the same skill set that we have here for those businesses. Did you find that in the technology space? Because uh, I know that there's a lot of women in the technology space that are very smart, that are very progressive, but they just don't have the opportunities. That they are afforded here, and maybe in Australia, because Australia is, you know, similar to the US in that regard.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring up that topic because people keep talking about, you know, whether women get the kind of opportunities that they do in a much more, you know, westernized uh, cultures. And my personal experience has been, and I was fortunate to have male managers who actually encouraged me pushed me Mm -hmm. uh, into new opportunities gave me more visibility so it actually surprises me sometimes as to why all the other women feel the way they do and i think somewhere it's also got to do around the mindset as to what are you going to put your reason or your excuse as like for me it was as long as i perform i let my work do the talking I'll get the opportunities. And I've seen that happen at time and again. So I think it comes down to what do you focus on is what you get. So if you want to keep focusing on that, oh, I'm going to be discriminated, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm like, if you keep focusing, then you're somewhere limiting yourself from putting yourself out there and uh, showing what you're capable of. So maybe I was fortunate to have some really great managers and
0: male leaders. Wish me you know you have some self-esteem again like I said it's a cultural difference as yes. women are a little bit more demure where you know here we go for the jugular <laughs> in the United States yes. also the, the opportunities you know sometimes they're a little bit more shy they don't yes. know what to ask you don't know what you don't know You don't know what to ask for. You don't know how to position yourself. You've never had that opportunity. You've always kind of, you know, submerged. So I'm glad to see that there are women like you that are really trailblazers that are leading the way for other young women uh, to have a voice and to know what they want to do. Now you say mindset. That's a big $25 word. Yes. Yes. What do we, yeah, how do we set our mind? Because sometimes we can get stuck in a pattern, we can get stuck in a ritual, or we can try to mimic what someone else has done. Now you, for example, are at at the top of your game, but you're gonna run across another young woman that is not there. How do you encourage her? How do you teach her to prioritize? And to find out what really matters to her so that she can set her mind for the next objective. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, absolutely. And look, that's what I typically work with most of my clients as well. So for me, um, working with your mindset starts with some level of clarity, right? It's about what do you want to achieve in the future? What is your vision? What is your identity? Who you want to become? Because for any mindset change to happen, the reason has to be strong enough for any kind of change. I need to be convinced that this change is going to help me and help me get where I want to. So the first thing for me is, are you clear about where you want to be, who you want to become, right? Once that is done, then we look at, okay, what's stopping you then to get there? And let's create that level of self-awareness. What are those patterns? And it's not gonna change overnight. First you have to become aware, you need to start catching yourself in those moments of negative self-talk and then decide, okay, what? Well, how am I going to change this, right? How am I going to break this pattern and what am I going to start saying instead and acting which is more aligned to this new belief that I want to create for myself. Because beliefs at the end of day need proof points. So the more proof points I can create for my new belief, the easier it is for me to transition mm-hmm. and for me that's step two once you know where you want to be then let's look at what's stopping you let's figure out how do we break through those patterns whatever it is whether it's a fear it's guilt it's shame it's lack of confidence let's work through it and let's start creating some new set of practices and once that is done then it's all about you know being in your flow it's continuously practicing being consistent with it and once you take your actions, you are going to end up achieving your goals. If you want to write a book, you start with the first page. Let's write down that first line. Exactly. And so later you'll get
0: there. And you and you have to go there. But you're yes. going have the naysayers. You're gonna have the people that are, yes. you know, and you've got that, you know, that negative self-talk is like, well, am I good enough? No, I'm not good enough. Is it contingent on someone else? Do I need validation? Uh, I need more money. I'm never going to get out of this situation. I'm never going to be able to move. I'm never going to, you know, know, and I get all that. But like you said, press the pause button. Yes, exactly. And and be in the present. Yes. Be conscious and aware of where you are right now. And where do you want to go? Do you want to take two steps backwards or do you want to leap forward? And leaping forward, you have to be a risk taker. Some people are afraid to take a risk. Yep. You no, know, some people think that they're going to be alone, but they have a coach like you that is going to be with them step by step. A lot of times I run into transformational coaches. That scares me a little bit because a mindset is a mind shift. I get that. But transformation, uh, it's hard to transfer your beliefs, your skill set. Um, your culture, your upbringing into someone that has no idea who you are, where yes. you come from. You come from two different, I'm a Black American woman. You're an Indian woman living in Australia. You're going to have a Chinese woman living in Australia. You're going to have a white woman living in North Dakota. All these combinations are different. Yes. What is the commonality between all of these individuals? How can we bridge that to help them fortify and and, and find substance in changing their mindset and working towards transformation? Because it's hard for me to to really think uh, authentically that people can transform if you don't know who I am or where I've come from or what I'm moving from.
1: Yeah. And and look, that is where, and I completely get that, right? Everyone's journey, the speed at which everyone transforms is different. Like you said, it's because of your cultural background, what you brought, your beliefs you are brought up with, your backgrounds, all of that. And for me, which is why I know people say that, you know, after a particular age, you can't change yourself or the things are so deeply embedded that you can't really transform. And... As much as it's debatable for me, I want to believe that everyone is capable of change. The journey might be different, the duration might be longer, shorter, whatever it is. And which is why my emphasize, emphasis is always on why would you want to change? Because if your reason is strong enough, you will change. Absolutely. And that's where I want people to get into and help them figure out like, okay, if you want to change, Because most of the time, people want to settle back into old patterns of behavior because that's where they're comfortable. They are okay with it. So unless there's a really strong reason for them as to why I should change. It's it's familiar. Right? And that's where I ask people who come to me, like, how strongly do you want it? Do you really believe in this vision? And I, I never go and force people to change. I don't impose on them that, oh, you should you know, start changing your mindset. I'm like, are they ready for the change, right? Do they really want it? Otherwise, no matter what I do, it's, it's not going to work. So for right. me, that's, that's my approach. I'm like, everyone is capable of change. It's just how strong is that desire to change.
0: And you know, sometimes I suggest to people that you don't maybe go for a complete transformation. Yeah. Sometimes you might go just for a new incorporation. Yes. That you add something different to your lineup. Yeah, maybe your hair color. It may be, you know, where you go for dinner. It might even be the way that you drive home from work.
1: Yep, yep.
0: Different <laughs> things causes different reactions. Why do you laugh? I laugh because
1: you mention you like you hit the nail on the head. So for me, when I sometimes speak to people, because my journey has been, you know, I left IT and I became a coach I went into an industry that I had absolutely no idea about and when I go to people uh, and ask them you know like do you want to change they're like oh I don't want to change my career or I don't want to change so people associate transformation most of the time as if they are changing their own personal being mm-hmm. but I'm like you're not changing yourself you're enriching yourself mm-hmm. that's the way you need to look at it and people are scared of shifting who they are as a person they feel like oh if i go down this path i'll become a different person and what if i don't like it right
0: well Well, let's talk about that because i had a girlfriend that went and had the gastric bypass right and honey let me tell you she is one unhappy soul Mm. because she lost almost a person and a half But her mind was not prepared to greet the new person she was about to meet. The way that she, uh, people, oh, you know, all the compliments that she had when she looked in the mirror, when she looked, uh, when she took off her clothes, when she tried on new clothes, when she looked at her plate, she really had to go through some therapy. Mm. So it wasn't just about losing the weight. It was much deeper than that. And there's so many times that people have deep rooted issues, generational trauma, uh, you know, relationship trauma, parenting, they might have been abused, alcohol, drugs. They have a, a laundry list of things and boxes that they could tick that they want to change. But sometimes slow and steady is what wins the race. It is, like you said, being consistent. It was taking a look at what it is, doing it in small increments. You don't have to do a massive change all of a sudden because it will be shocking and it is unfamiliar. It's uncharted territory. What do you say to the person that's afraid?
1: I would say take baby steps. So there's this book, uh, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse.
0: Hmm. And
1: there is this one um scene in that book where it's it's foggy, it's a dark forest, and the small boy asks the horse, like, how are we going to get to the end? How are we going to walk through the forest? We can't see anything. And the horse asks, well, can you see your next step? And the boy says, yes. And he says, that's all you need to take. So it's all about small steps, not overwhelm yourself with the big change. Because you always have a choice. That's something people don't realize as well. I've seen, they feel like, okay, if I go down this path, this is the only way I can go. But they always have a choice to stop, think, and then take the next step. So small steps. And remember that you always have a choice to change your direction.
0: Sometimes, you know what, brains? Just staying idle or stepping back. Yeah. Sometimes you put your, have you ever put your foot in the bathtub and the water was too hot? And you say, ouch, you got to take it out till it cools off. Sometimes you're just not ready for that. And it's okay. So when you're working with a powerful coach like Anisha, um, you know, you have to also be an active participant and tell her what you need. Just because she's coaching you She doesn't know all the different nuances that are running around in your brain. You know, you have to work and you have to show up and you have to do the work. She doesn't have the magic pixie dust to fix you, or maybe she does, I don't know. (laughs) But for the most part, you have to show up. There's a lot of people that hire coaches and then they are disillusioned because they think that the coach is going to, you know, get them to that six figures, uh, turn their business around. Uh, make them the CEO that they've always wanted to be help them get those you know the the great grades in school but they've never showed up for class yes how do you keep your people on track how do you keep them consistent
1: um I get different kinds of people um that I work with as clients there are some who are action takers right? If they come into something in the session, they'll go take action. And I've seen those are the ones who create an accelerated result or achievement of their goals. Now, there are a few clients who come in week after week, they've still not done their actions. And I think it's just meeting them at where they are, like you said, you know, pause, understand what's stopping them from taking that next step. And it's actually about breaking it down to the easiest step possible. Mm. right? So It's like, okay, someone says, okay, I'm going to come in. I'm going to go to the gym the next three days, but they haven't done it. Let's investigate what what's stopping you from going there and then break it down
0: to the smallest. <laughs> step. I can answer that one. <laughs> Because that's something that I, I self-disclose, that's something that I struggle with. Yes. It's consistency. Yes. Not with my business, not with my love, you know, my love affair with my husband or my family, but it's things like diet and exercise. Yeah. Because I'm busy. And yes. so I put that busyness instead in front of a which should be a priority. Yes. What I have to do is I have to revisit my priorities. Yes. If it has come down to the point where I have to uh, set an alarm on my phone so that I get up and walk away. Um, I set an hour, I make a schedule just as if I was at a nine to five where there's an hour, I take an hour and a half lunch. Yes, I do, Bryce. (laughs) Exactly, but you know, I eat, but then I can go and take a walk. But these are things and keeping a promise to yourself. Yeah. Nobody is responsible for you. You gotta want it. You've gotta want it. You gotta yes. taste it. You gotta smell it. You gotta, you know, you can't look at like my girlfriend did, these people on, you know, television and social yes. media, because they've got a lot of work too. And believe me, I work with people in Hollywood, and when you see them change their clothes, it's not what you think it is. Okay. And so yes. now she's in this point where. You know, she felt more comfortable being heavy, but that heaviness was her security blanket. Yes. You know, and so yes. being secure is an inside job.
1: Yep, yep. And and I love how you said that because, look, even though I am a coach, I struggle with consistency. Like you said, for me, I love my yoga practice, something I really enjoy, but sometimes you just don't find the time or the space mental space to do it right and I, I kept asking myself okay I'm a coach why am I not consistent with something that I actually enjoy doing right. and then I had to make that reframe that because now I'm saying I don't have time which is why I'm not doing my yoga right so I was like how do I change or reframe that and I was like okay so one hour that I spend on yoga is actually 10 years I gain in my life
0: mm-hmm. because
1: it's going to help me improve my health so, I'm constantly reframing myself. I have traumas from the past that I'm still working with. There are days and nights when I sit and cry. And that's okay. Just because I'm a coach doesn't mean I've figured out everything in my world, but it's just about being aware of the moment. And then it's more about responding to it.
0: Exactly. So
1: anything so, that comes.
0: So, who pours into you? Who keeps you on the cutting edge? Who keeps you sharp? You know, are there favorite authors? You know, are you the coach with the coach? Um, You know, what really keeps you on the top of your game?
1: Uh, So I definitely do have a coach uh, because I think a coach who doesn't have a coach is... um, Coachless. (laughs) What's the word for it? Um, I keep forgetting this.
0: Um, It'll come to you. But people need I mean, to be coachable too you know there's there's yeah. some people that you know just are not so, are not coachable
1: yeah so for me uh definitely my coach and i think i am my biggest strength at the moment so i look at myself in the mirror and i have talks with myself that's right every day i've got to look into my eyes and tell myself how much i love myself and good, it's good it's that, like, even at my lowest moment, I just go stand in front of the mirror. I see myself crying and I'm like, mm, it's okay. Like, you know, <laughs> it's fine, I'm here. And I think that's been my strength, like me being my own strength. I think I've found something in myself. Yeah. And that helps me keep
0: going. And being i vul- really all the taking time. Taking responsibility for your action and being vulnerable. Yes. You know, vulnerability, it, it's okay. That doesn't yes. mean that you're weak. To say, I'm sorry, or I apologize, or no, or this, I didn't get it, or this doesn't work for me. All of those are complete sentences, brains, and you can pull them out and say them at any time. And rather the other person that is on the other side of that conversation receives it or not, at that point, it's not about them. It's all about you yeah. and how you are processing things and how you're thinking about things talk a little bit about self-care because she talked about yoga not only does she do yoga brains belly dancing and ballroom dancing now tell me about the now the belly dancing is very hypnotic it's Mm -hmm. it's more than being sensual well let me let me let me let me add to that it's very sensual But there's a sexual energy and a sexual charge, you know, and it is very hypnotic because, you know, and you don't have to be a size uh, four, you can be a size 14 girl and be one of the baddest belly dancers I've ever seen. I know, me too. What did they teach you you when you started that practice? I mean, you know. Yeah. Was it the music that got you? Was it the way that you were able to move your body? What was it? Um,
1: So for me, I got into Betty dancing because me and one of my best friends, BFFs, we love dancing, right? And we're like, let's just start doing something. We were busy in our corporate world. We're like, we need to get back to dancing. But one of the first things that I learned from my Betty dance teacher is The whole practice of belly dancing actually originated within women communities where they would actually uh, train a young bride to do all those belly movements because it was great for the womb the health around you know bearing child and all that because at the end of the day it's your pelvic muscle exercise
0: well i mean and, and that's with everything it's your core yeah, that, you know your, it's your,
1: your core, core. It's your pelvic muscles. So that's what they used to do. So they used to gather around the bride and every night she would do all these belly movements which would actually help her bear a healthier child and keep her healthy. So it it's all rooted in, uh, you know, the feminine energy, becoming that creator. So that's the origin of the dance form itself. Now, over the years, you know, they've migrated, you know, you had a lot of these um uh you know when they were invaded and things like that, they had to migrate, they had to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. And
0: I and also this... the men needed to be entertained.
1: <laughs> yeah, but this used I... to be close when it was practiced, it was within close women community. But I think what happened was when they were uh, you know, the gypsies, when they started migrating and you know, they must have just been dancing and someone through their money. And they're like, oh, this is one way that we can actually survive as a community. So it, when you see those belly dancers with the bells that have coins, it's actually that. So when they were thrown coins, they used to just tie it to them. Oh,
0: okay.
1: So that's the origin of it, right? So that's how then it slowly evolved into art and someone European saw it and then they made it the whole cabaret. So it's actually more of feminine exercise. It's for our own health and things like that, which is where I started appreciating the dance form more than just an entertainment or, you know, about sensuality and sexual, but it's more about channeling the feminine energy.
0: See, Rains, we learned something right there, because I'm telling you, because it is is definitely a work of art. I was on a cruise one time, and I had no idea that it was a, a cast from a Bollywood movie, and girl, I had the best time. I did. They, you know, they gave me my diet. (laughs) Exactly, you know, and uh, they taught me a lot. Uh, I ate three or four days vegetarian. You know, I was dying for a hamburger, but no, they taught me about the culture of the people. They taught me about the belly dancing and, you know, some of the most beautiful people that I've ever seen. Let me ask you something is there a cultural uh no should i say is there a colorism in india there is
1: there is you no know,
0: because you find some very 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 dark indians beautiful um you know that yes yeah. yeah. you find some very fair
1: yes
0: they go back and forth like everywhere else in the world based upon the color of your skin it, it does
1: it does wow. in fact there was uh back in the days you know how you have these matrimonial sites now, but there used to be matrimonial columns that used to come in newspaper where parents would put ads wow. out there looking for, uh, you know, grooms and bridegrooms, and it would start with looking for a fair, tall, homely girl. So it used to be always about being fair, and that was like the preferred, um, you know, wife. All the time and there were there was a lot of activism around it because we used to have uh, these fairness creams called fair and lovely where they were like "Oh, someone is darker she's not bleaching bleaching
0: i've been watching some movies on uh, on netflix and some of these countries you know like africa or whatever they had big manufacturers that were using these bleaching creams yeah. and they were toxic to people's skin and you know what I just I you know I don't get it. Every flower in the garden is not the same. I know. I know. But we can't, you know, again it is what it is and so we try not to play into that. I try to look inside of a person's heart, but I love the the diversity of everyone on this planet. That's very important to me. So talking about diversity, you don't only belly dance, you ballroom dance.
1: Yes like I said I love dancing so that's my flow zone like that's my flow activity if I'm in there I don't know how much time I spend no matter how down I am if I put my dancing shoes on I forget about everything in the world so yeah so I'm always looking for okay what can I learn I'm just looking for opportunities to dance and there happened to be a ballroom rhythm dance class which was you know 10 minutes away from my place and I did that for a year and I trained in ballroom and um, rhythm dances as well. And I still love it.
0: So where do you want to take this coaching practice uh, and, and coaching business that you've established? You know, it's it's great to be a coach. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's always so much more out there. Where do you see yourself in the next maybe five years?
1: Um. Wow, that's that's a loaded question.
0: I know, and Sorry. I hate that question like <laughs> a job interview. You know what I used to tell them? I said, I hope I still have a job in
1: five years.
0: Yes,
1: <laughs> yeah, I hope I'm still coaching. I know I will be because there, since I've decided to do coaching, there have been a lot of uh, distractions because it's not easy to find clients. You struggle uh, economically. And I've always like thought like should I just go back to corporate? It's much more easier. And I'm like, no, this is what I love doing. Uh, but for me uh, to answer that question, five years from now, I'm hoping that I'll have a few coaching programs out there which um, help people across different uh, cultures, backgrounds. Because the other thing that I've seen with coaching is like, do I invest in it? Because it's not like a product where you see an immediate outcome, you know what it looks like. Coaching is a process. You don't know what you get at the end of it, right? And for most people, it's like, do I invest? Will I get the return on my investment? So for me, it's about how do I create i make it easier for people to actually start believing in the process go through that process until they become uh, ready so for me it's about can i come up with programs which take them incrementally on this journey like you mm-hmm. said right it's about okay let me do the first five things oh it's working let me do the next so that's what i'm looking at right now and i am actually partnering with a lot of organizations out there who are into performance development personal development so I want to partner with them on training programs and to be on their, you know, their panel of coaches and then start talking. Yeah.
0: That's great. That's great. Because we are looking for the right coach, but we're also looking for the right client. Yes. That's just like me with the podcast, you know, uh, there are people that just aren't the fit. That's not that they're not a good candidate, but Is something that my audience may not resonate with. Sometimes Mm. I hear something in their voice that lets me know that they're kind of not ready for it yet. That's all right. We can always circle back around. Sometimes you've got people that, you know, it's like watching paint dry. (laughs) Bless their heart. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, is. When you run into a client, I want you to be 100% transparent. Yes. It's not your ideal client. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. Well, how do you, how do you I, to use a, a cliche, how do you shake them off? I mean, you know, do you offer them, you know, some, some takeaways and some tools, which I'm sure that you do? Do you direct them to another client? Do you have a conversation with them and tell them, you know, points that they need to improve on? Or do you just maybe back out and say, this isn't the right fit?
1: Um, so I'm very open to telling them if I know it's not the right fit for them. Uh, like I'm very clear about what my coaching does. It's not therapy. Um, you know, it's none of those medical, uh, allied health practitioner or anything that I do. Sometimes what they are looking for might be an area where I do not have any experience in, right? So it could be around parenting and things like that. Now I can help them, but here's how I, uh, for the lack of word, like how do I weed off or filter
0: my clients? Well, no, I mean you know just how do how do we make a clean exit? Because sometimes yeah. someone will come to you and they'll be you know they adore you and they're invested, but then as you get to working with them, it, it's it yeah. just doesn't you know, and it's not that they're bad people or yeah. you're a bad coach. Yeah. Sometimes you know you uh, get a bad batch, and yeah. it doesn't work. So, you know, do you provide them options and, and training? And I mean, not options, but, you know, options of, you know, you might want to look into this or you might want to look into that, you know, it, it, it's hard to break off a relationship.
1: Yes. So but for me,
0: you when have we, to do it.
1: Yeah. So for me, whenever I sign someone up onto my program, there is a minimum time of like six weeks which is also for both the client and myself to see whether we are a good match because someone might start working with me and say that, nah, Anisha, it's not working. Or I could be working with someone and I'm like, nah, this is not the client. So that six-week period is definitely where we get to know each other. And then after that, I upgrade them into my ongoing coaching program. So there's always that choice where either I or they make where we say that okay, you know, maybe it's not a good fit, or no, it's working brilliantly. Let's just continue uh, coaching with each other. So they always have that option, and it's for both of us, right? Because even I wouldn't know. Like the first perceptions are not necessarily the right ones. So no,
0: because people the, get a chance. Well, yeah. The, what happens is the first person you meet is their representative. You don't meet who they really are. Yeah, people. Like, are. And then as you do the deep dive, yeah. and as they start building up the trust. And the relationship, things start to unfold and you're going like, oh my goodness, really? You sleep with your socks on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's it's so the many same. things that you, don't, that you don't know what you don't know about people. Uh, before we conclude, Anisha, I want to uh, ask you, when looking for a coach, what are three things that you recommend that people should consider when they're looking for a coach?
1: I think the first one is um, have a chat with them, you know, because just because you look at the website, you look at someone, you cannot really judge how a coach is. So I definitely recommend having, getting onto a quick phone call with them because that gives, as a client, me the confidence whether this is the kind of person I want to work with. Right, so that's the first one. The second thing is um, actually, I would say it's the first one because a lot of times we know what are the approach or the strategies that the coach uses, uh, which and if it's the right fit for me or not. The second thing that I would recommend them also doing is actually ask about some of the other clients that they've worked with and what their stories have been. Right. Um, I think these are the two main things that I would definitely look at. But just speaking to a coach tells you a lot about them, who they are as a person. Um, you know, are they empathetic? Do they listen well? You get to learn a lot about it and that should basically tell you this is the kind of coach that I want to work with. So for me, getting on the call, qual- because people can write beautiful things on the website. It doesn't Or
0: really- the third thing is watch their podcast. Watch that
1: absolutely because
0: that that is what i tell people i said you know what this is not a funnel this is not a lead generation this is the story of you yeah i'm able to ask you off the cuff questions that make you think Hmm. challenge you um so that when people are looking for a coach they're going oh okay good She's lived this experience. She's been a woman that's that's left one country to another. She was in a male-dominated field. Now she's in technology. She's been able to take that skill set, edit, and pivot. And now she's creating a coaching program where she's mentoring, molding, and also helping transform the mindset of others. It's it's you know, it's very, very important. And that's what I like to do is I like to bring out the best in you, and you are the absolute best. Before we close, there's two of my favorite questions I always love to ask. Number one, if you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be and why? Hmm,
1: I'm just looking at my kitchen right now. Wow, what appliance would I be? <laughs> I I think I would just like to be a plate. An empty plate. And being open to whatever comes.
0: Being open and being prepared to serve.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's beautiful. And what do you want your legacy to be? Hmm.
1: I want my legacy to be known as one of the modern educators um, so definitely I, I don't know what it would look like it could be books it could be an institution um, in fact I do have my book right now yeah so I've actually written down my different forms of legacy in this
0: okay is that your personal book that you created Um.
1: Uh, no this is something i got as a gift my sister gave it to me
0: okay a gratitude gratitude is everything
1: yeah so there's a part in there where it's just blank pages and i've actually written down what i want to be remembered as i want to be remembered as someone who created change Um, now what shape and form it is i'm going to let the universe define it but i definitely want to be someone who created a big change. Now, whether that's a book, whether it's a school or a university that I start, I don't know what form it's going to manifest in.
0: Well, but you're a change agent. And I thank you so much for changing the lives of the people that are listening to this interview because it's very important that we understand brains that change is a constant. You can't do the same, you change your clothes every day, Uh, Like I said, change the way that you drive to and from to work. It'll give you a different perspective. Change how you, uh, your voicemail. Change how you answer your greeting on the phone. Small incremental changes can make all the difference because people will notice and then they will comment. And most of the time they're going to be favorable. Thank you so much. Please tell my brains how to get in contact with you. uh, If you have any current Programs for your coaching that you'd like for them to, you know, tap in. Brains, now look, she may be in Australia, but you just a point, click, and a Zoom call away, anywhere in the world. And we're looking for, and, I, and I'm going to say it, Brains, we are looking for people that are ready to do it. We're not looking for people that are iffy. And I say that you have to figure out if your foot is in the hot water or if it's out. And these are long-term commitments. I mean, once she starts getting into your head and your psyche, this is not something that's going to end after that six weeks. I think that you're going to build a long-term relationship with her. As she says, this is not counseling or psychotherapy. This is coaching. You are now on a football team or a soccer team. You got to get in there and you got to play your position because you're in it to win it. Right? Right. Oh, I couldn't
1: have said it better. That was beautiful. Well, <laughs> yeah so uh, everyone watching you can reach me on my website which is anishagopal.com and I'm very active on LinkedIn so if you can search for coach Anisha Gopal and you should be able to find me there Uh, so these are the two places where you can reach me feel free to DM me on LinkedIn I'm super active there a lot of content that I post on LinkedIn around mindset and yeah on my website you will find you know, links to contact me, book in a phone session. And I'm always looking forward to meeting new people, speaking with people. That's something I really, really enjoy. So yeah, just let's just get on a casual chat and get to know each other.
0: Right, and Braith, if you're looking for a speaker, if you're looking for a panelist, if you're looking for a consultant, all those things also fall under the heading of coach. So I love you. I want you to go in and like, love and share. Like, love, share, oh yeah, and subscribe to the YouTube channel or to Blog Talk. This is how we're going to get you all the information that you need, line you up with great coaches, give you great insight, and, you know, uh, be there to love you and support you and encourage you like a belly dancer. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for being on the edge with us, Precious. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, my brains.